Matthew chapter 25, we're going to be in verse 14 is where we're going to be starting tonight. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for the privilege of being able to read your word, Lord, that you have a word for us that you didn't stop at salvation, but God, that you have provided your word for us to read and the truth that is in it and the application to our life and helping us to walk in a better manner with you. Hopefully tonight as we apply the the message that we have that it'll help us to walk um, more effectively and more purposely for you as well. That, God, that we would use the talents that you have blessed us with to give back to you for the betterment of your kingdom, Lord. And um, so, God, we just thank you so much for this evening, just the opportunity to get together as a fellowship, and that, Father, that you would be with us right now, and we ask this in your name. Amen. I've titled the message, Are You a Well Done? with a question mark. Are you a well done? This does not refer to steak. This is not a barbecue tonight. We had Mexican for dinner. But are you a well done? And Jesus here, starting off, and it's the parable of the talents, and many of you guys know this parable anyways. Just a couple introductions here is it's Jesus speaking in a parable, and a parable is just a short story illustrating a moral or spiritual truth. And as you read, as you read through the Gospels, Jesus uses this so many times as just applications for those that are there to be able to hear what he's trying to give in his spiritual truth to them. And just recently, a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to teach the third, fourth, and fifth graders for their, um, their chapel, and um, we did the parable of the seed. And getting to explain to them the fact of the reason that why Jesus did that, and in, in that case, you know, he's, he's showing them the, the hard road that it's on and how that would have happened just naturally. They didn't have concrete that time and big machines showing up and laying down the road. It would have just been where people just naturally walking and it would have been hard automatically. And that seed wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to grow on that. And so as, as the, those that are hearing this story can look at this, there's an immediate application that they can kind of pop and understand what Jesus was talking about. And for us tonight, the same thing is going to happen is Jesus is speaking in a parable for us this evening, and it's, it's, a, and it's an illustration for us to have a, an understanding of a deeper meaning and a deeper purpose for us. And he's specifically talking about a businessman or somebody who is an owner and, and the responsibilities that he's giving his servants of what they should be doing while he leaves, while he leaves. And the business the disciples, including you and I, should be doing in the absence until Jesus comes back as well. As we understand, Jesus has gone up to heaven at this point, and he was on the cross. He showed back up. Now he's in heaven with, with the Lord, and he's, we're waiting anxiously for his return to come back, but there's still work for us to be doing. And so as we read this scripture, we're, hopefully you will put yourself in the position and understand what the Lord is trying to teach you and, and us tonight as well. So as we go to verse 14, it starts off here in Jesus speaking. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called on his own servants and delivered his goods to them. 
And to one he gave five talents, and to another he gave two, and to another one he gave him one. And to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. So a couple important points that we just need to talk about before we move into the rest of the passages. The first thing that, that I see here is, and this is a clear reference of Jesus leaving the disciples and going into heaven. As I've already discussed, as, as this owner, or this, this, as he looks at his servants, he's getting ready to leave. And as Jesus has been preparing them, the, the previous passage as well too is the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, talking about be ready at any moment because the Lord could come back. And how important it is for us to live in such a manner of that as well, too. And so as Jesus moves on now to the next parable, talking about this, too, is as far as why he is gone, that there are still responsibilities for people to be doing. We as servants of the Lord should be ready, and we should be understanding that as, as he is leaving, that, we, that he gets ready for his immediate journey that he's leaving on, that we should then be doing the work that God has set aside for us to do. The second thing that I notice here is, and this would make sense if, he, if the master were to leave, that he didn't want his, just his things sitting around, his responsibilities. To, 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 he wants those things, those talents, to still be making money while he's gone. So an economy like we have right now, and we're talking about inflation and things like that, if you just have your money sitting in your house, you're actually losing money because you haven't invested it. You don't have interest that's earning on it. You're not able to keep up with the economy that's happening. So this master looks at his servants and it just makes sense if he's like, hey, I'm gonna go leave for a little while. I'm, I'm gonna give you this five talents. I'm gonna give you the two talents. I'm gonna give you the one talent and I'm asking you to do something with this to be able to increase on the investment that I have. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, all of us, whether we have a stock portfolio or if we just have $20 in the bank, we all understand that, man, I want that $20 to be $21 one day, right? I mean, it doesn't matter the amount that you have but you want something to come back from that investment that you have. The third thing that I notice here is <clears throat> it's important to know what a talent is. A talent, Webster defines it as it's a special, often athletic, okay, athletic, like it might be LeBron James. I don't, I'm not a big LeBron James fan. Okay, I'm a Michael Jordan fan. I'm from the 80s. And Michael Jordan is the best basketball player to ever play. And if you don't agree, then... Pastor Carl will be here next time you can talk, and I don't think he will even know who LeBron James is. But, but LeBron James, I still admire the talent level that he has. Here's somebody who is just blessed with an athletic ability to do what he does, get paid exorbitant amount of money because he can do this. But I'll be honest, he still perfects the craft that he has. He doesn't just sit back and collect money. He continues to invest and to move forward. It's also somebody who's creative, who, who's artistic and, and with aptitude. You know, we have a couple people in Into One on the youth group, uh, the young adults that, that are able to do just incredible artists. I mean, like literally, and this is going to sound like I'm joking, like I can't draw a stick figure, okay? And you're going to laugh and you're like, Kevin, you can, draw, you can draw a stick figure. I'm telling you, mine's are still squiggly. Like it just doesn't look good. But there's ladies in this group that can just draw and you're just like, how do you do that? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, you can even just have a thought and that you're able to then put that to your hand and your hand does what you've asked it to do and it looks like the picture or whatever that you haven't imagined. It's, it's just absolutely amazing. 
It could be a singer or an enormous amount of talent. It could be Pasch up here playing or, or this wonderful woman, Christine, that sings up here every once in a while as well too that just has an unbelievable, oh, oh yeah, she's my wife, but, but it's just an unbelievable voice to be able to sing like an angel, you know? Well, that's still an investment. That's still a talent that they have and that's what Webster's talking about. Well, tonight with the talent that we have here is, is actually something different of what Jesus is referring to with the businessman. And the business man that he's talking about is it's actually a, it's a unit of weight in the Hebrew system, and it's depending on what it is here. So we don't know if it's gold or if it's silver that he's given them or, or if he's given them something else of, of a different commodity. All that we know is the value could be worth up to 6,000 denarii per talent, 6,000. Just that you understand that a, a worker, a day laborer at this time when it was, was written, it would take them 20 years of labor to earn what this talent is, 20 years. It's a, a lot of talent. And the one he gave five, that's like 100. That's incredible, isn't it? So he's given this money, he's given this commodity to them to do something with it. It's important to note also that the master has entrusted these servants with a great amount of his talent and his wealth in order to invest it to add value to what he already has. Obviously, it is our job now to apply this to our own lives and, and what has Jesus entrusted to you and I for his kingdom. And so as we reflect back, but what has is, what is the Lord given me? What talent do I have? Well, you don't see me up here singing, so you can quickly figure out that Kevin doesn't have the, value, the talent of singing because I can't do that. But there are other talents that we have. What is your talent? What is the thing that you have? What is the thing that, that you've been given that you maybe think is easy to do and somebody else looks at it and goes, I could never do that. I could never draw. I could never sing. But you do something else and you're like, that's as easy as I've ever seen. This is it. Why can't anybody do that? No, it's something that you have been given. It's the ability that you've been given by the Lord that, that is maybe just special to you. And, and everybody else looks at it and goes, wow, that, she's, she's pretty awesome in doing that. What is that thing that the Lord has given you? Warren Wearsby put it, it says, the talents represent opportunities to use our abilities. It's the opportunities to use our abilities. So again, I reflect back to you is, what is the ability that the Lord has given you? Notice not just your voice, it's, it also could be your resources that you have. It could be the time that you have, the availability to be able to do something that other people are just unable to do it at that time. Again, Think of what is the things that you have that maybe somebody else doesn't have. The fourth thing that I notice is in verse 15, it says it here too. It says, to their own abilities, their own inherent power. There's no shame in somebody else having more ability than us, okay? There was no shame in, in the one person getting five and the other one only getting two and the other one getting one. Again, there was a large sum that they were each given. The Lord is willing to use whatever that we have to bring to him. Again, it doesn't have, it, you know, again, in life, there's the people who have that it factor. You know what I'm talking about? Like the it factor, they just, and if you don't know what the it factor is, you have the it factor, and we're all looking at you going, well, that guy's just got the it factor. They just show up, the, the conversation's a little bit easier for them, they kind of get through the door a little bit better, they're able to do something else, I and mean, they just have it, whatever that it is. Well, maybe that's the person with the five talents that got the five talents, they just have a special ability, and the, the master looked at him and said, look, I can trust this person with five because I know the responsibility they have. I know that they can take the pressure of working with five talents. Remember, 100 years of labor for one person. 
I, I can trust that person with that. Again, don't worry about the amount of talent that you have received. Just again, make sure that you know what your talent is. Christ lays claim to all of our gifts and all of our abilities. So the Lord has given us something to use where the Lord says also, look, I'm now asking for that back. I want you to use that for my glory. We saw this with Joseph back in the Old Testament in Genesis. We have not reached Genesis in that area yet. Um, But Genesis 39, verse one and six, it says, first of all, let me set the stage. Joseph, you guys know Joseph with a coat of many colors. You guys know that story. You have been in, in children's church before. And so at this point, he's been sold. Like his brothers were like, hey, let's kill him. They throw him in a pit and they're like, you know what? Let's make some money off him. So they pull him back out of the pit and they're like, that's not good enough. And then they sell him to these people that are coming along. And so here we have Joseph that's been like now traveled down to Egypt. He's been sold into slavery by his family, by his brothers. And it perks up in verse one. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, with Joseph, and that the Lord made all he did prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him, and then he made him an overseer of his house and all that he had been put under his authority. So it was from that time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. And thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he did, it. He did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. And you're like, Kevin, what are you reading this long story for? Well, it's important to notice that there, Joseph just did what, what God had given him the ability to do. He's been sold into slavery. Not good enough to be killed by my brothers. Now I've been sold into slavery. Now I'm in Egypt. I'm in a foreign land. Who am I? Where am I at? What's going on here? And yet he doesn't sit there and cowl in a corner. He excels. Why? Because that's just who Joseph is. He's like, you know what? I, I, I can organize some stuff here. I can kind of get things figured out. He just starts doing it. And he starts doing the ability, the talent that he's been given. And he starts to excel to the point where this Egyptian who worships hundreds of different gods notices that there's something different about Joseph. There's something different about this man that I bought that has a different God than I do. But man, what he is doing is amazing. So much amazing that it just doesn't stop in Potiphar's house. If you continue to read the story, Joseph is one of my favorite people in the Bible. You continue to read on about his life, is then he gets thrown in prison. What does he end up doing in prison? He ends up like running the prison to the point then too, where does he end up doing after that? He's second in charge of all of Egypt, all of Egypt, to the point where the Pharaoh looks at him and goes, man, there's something about this guy who just has this ability, he has that it factor, and he takes his talent and he just applies it. Joseph's not where he wants to be. Joseph misses his family. He wants to be back down there. What he doesn't know is by just using the gifts and using the ability that God has given him, he's eventually going to save his family. Again, what is the talent that you have? Well, Kevin, I'm not happy in the job that I'm at. I got you, I understand that. But you're there now. Can you still do it to the best of the ability that you have? Can, can you do that? Well, Kevin, I'm not happy with the house that I have. You know, but can you take care of it the best that you have, the ability that you have? Can you do that with your relationships, with your friendships, 
with the ministries that you're involved in? Are you able to then take those talents and take those abilities and just apply them to where they're at and then allow the Lord to be the one who figures out what you're going to do? How is the Lord going to use your life, your abilities, and your talents not to glorify you? And I have a hard time with that. Man, I want some attention. I want some credit for the things that I do. But again, it's for the Lord's glory of why we live our life. Don't get focused on the things that are here. So he ran Potiphar's house. He gets thrown into prison. He soon he comes out of Egypt. And then he used his abilities that God gave him despite the situation that he was placed in. As we move on in verse 16, it continues on and it says, <clears throat> Jesus speaking, it says, then he <clears throat> who had received the five talents went and traded with them and he made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went, dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. Can you believe that? He hid the Lord's money. So you guys know, again, you probably know this story. You've read it a couple times. Probably at this point of the year, if you're doing a, you know, through the Bible in a year, you've read this chapter as well too. But you know the story. The servant one, he gets five talents. The servant two, he gets two talents. The last servant gets one talent. But the first two servants, they get their money and they're like, let's go to work. Let's get, let's, let's get going here. We got, we got stuff to do. And they had a plan. They went to work and were, they were ready for when their master came back. There's not a timetable when their master's coming back. They don't know when he's coming back, but they're not focused on that. They're focused on the fact that I've got some talents and I've got work that I need to do. Let's get a plan. They sit down, they brainstorm, they get their guys together, and they just start getting ready to do, what is it that we're gonna do to be able to do more with the money that the master has given us? Again, can I say something as well too? In life, there's nothing wrong with having a plan. Okay, just, just so you know that. It's okay to have a plan. I know some people are like, I just trust on the Lord. I just trust on the Holy Spirit. I'm with you. I, I trust on the Holy Spirit. I, I read his word. I ask for direction. I pray. I ask for the Lord to, but you gotta be moving for the Lord to be able to direct you in the plan that you have. Don't be stuck on your plan. Like, no, I wrote it down. I gotta do this thing. Okay, well, well now that's, don't stick to that plan but have a plan, be able to be able to move that so that as I'm moving along, the Lord's like, no, nah, I don't want you to go that way, I want you to go this way. Okay, then move. An opportunity opens up over here. Okay, let me move over here. Why do I know that? Because I'm moving. I'm moving in life. I'm not just stuck and sitting and just waiting for the Lord just to give me a word. Now, there might be a time that you need to do that because you've moved up to that point, but listen, Christian, have a plan. Paul did, Paul did in Acts 16. You know, he's, he just wants to serve God. I wanna go tell people about Jesus. I wanna, I wanna spread the gospel. So he heads out, he starts going, and then he stopped. The Lord stops him. He's like, all right, well, I'll go this way then. And he gets stopped again. And then finally that night, he has a dream, and there's a man from, I think it's Troas or Macedonia, that says, hey, come over here. Whew, that's it. That's where the Lord wants me to go. He says, hey, guys, let's pack up the boat. We're going over here. We're gonna go to Europe, and that's the first time that the gospel is actually preached in Europe. Why? Because Paul had a plan. He had a desire. God had given him a dream and understanding of what his purpose was. He starts to move. And guess what? Then the Lord directs him to where he's going to be able to use those talents and abilities. I just want to tell people about Jesus. And God's like, that's what I want you to do. But I want you to do it over here instead. So he gathers up everybody. They head over there. And then they're off to the races from there. Have a plan, have a purpose, have some thought, 
have an idea of where you want to go and what you want to do, but then be flexible enough to be able to move wherever that the Lord is guiding you as well too. Well, the third servant, what does he do? He buries his talent. He gets, you know, goes in the backyard, says, all right, well, this is what I'm gonna do with my talent. Man, I'm not gonna lose this amount of money. It's a lot of money. It's 20 years of labor right there. That guy's gonna be mad at me if I lose that. No vision, no understanding. You know, we don't know if he's lazy. We don't know if he's apathetic. We don't know if he's nervous. What is it that is wrong with him? Again, he's been trusted with a great amount of money. Again, it's not five, it's not two. It's still one, it's still 20 years worth of labor. But what does he do with it? And why does he do that? Is he scared to lose the master's money? Not sure of himself? We get down to verse 24, we'll find out really what the problem was. But I always imagine myself as like, yeah, Kevin, I'm, I'm, I'm the first servant. I'm the one who got the five talents. And reality is probably not. You know, there's times in my life I'm, I just, I'm lucky to have any talent at all. And I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not the one in the back so nervous to use my talent that I just dig it in the ground. And there were times like that. There were times earlier in my walk with the Lord, you're just not sure of what you are. There's still some of the world that's in me and then the, trying to follow the Lord as well too. And, and everything's getting kind of intermixed in there as well too. And you're just not, you're not serving the way that you should be serving. Maybe you can kind of relate to that as well too. You're just kind of like, man, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm on the fence. Man, everybody thinks I'm a really good guy as far as Christianity, but I just know, man, I've just, there's just things. And then you begin to trust a little bit more and you start acting a little bit more the way that you should be and you start following Christ genuinely the way that you should be. And then all of a sudden these doors start to open up and the opportunities start to open up. Why? Because you've made yourself available to him. You're like, Lord, I I want to take this talent. I don't wanna be like this last servant. I just don't wanna dig it into the ground and and just leave it there and hope that somebody doesn't come along and steal it from me. Verse 19, he moves on. He says, and after a long time, okay, again, we don't know how long of a time, but it probably wasn't a day or two or a week or two. Maybe it was months. Maybe it was a year. Maybe it was two years. The Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, the Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And he who also received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. And look, I've gained you two more talents. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. After a long time, Jesus is not planning on coming back immediately. Again, we don't know the time when Christ is going to come back. You know, you continue to hear that. You're, oh, he can come back anytime. He could come back anytime. He come back tonight. Sometimes selfishly, we, we pray that, Lord, I, I wish you would come back tonight. I'm just tired. I don't want to go to work tomorrow. I'm just tired of driving. Man, driving right now in Fruitville is like, I feel like I'm back in Fort Lauderdale. It's crazy. There's so many people. I'm like, where do these people come from? You know, like, what is going on here? Lord, come back now. Like, I don't want to even drive home, you know? You just bring me home? But then how selfish is that is? There's still people who could be saved and get to experience heaven forever. 
You see, there's no, time, there's no technology at that time. There's, there's no Live 360. There's no phones. There's, there's no Zoom meetings. There's not like they're, they're at, 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 back at the place and they get their computers out and they're, they're talking to their master about things that are going on. Oh, yeah, I've invested it over here. Okay, well, I plan on being back in about you know, 20 days. Just get everything lined up for me. There's none of that. Maybe they have a carrier that goes out there and sends a message to them or something. But, I mean, it's, it's nothing compared to what we could even imagine what it would be like. And in verse 20, the, the servant one comes and he's excited to present his earnings to the master. He had five talents and gives him five more talents. Servant two comes in excitement and presents his earning to the master. He had two talents and gives him two more talents. And this is a significant amount of money. These two servants stayed focused to the task that was set before them. There's no master here. There's no problem. Now, I'm not worried. I'm not working just because my master's here. I'm working because I know that there's a job to be done and I've been called to do that job and I'm going to do it with excellence. And they stayed hard at work. Do you ever have a problem staying focused on the task of the gospel? As, continue, as time continues, we, we, we don't have Jesus with us. We, we kind of get lost in it. We're, God, we're just waiting. Lord, is he going to come back? And I keep doing the same thing every day. Lord, is he even coming back? Will it be my lifetime? Is this thing even true anymore? I, I, I don't know. But when is Christ coming back? And then you kind of get sidetracked a little bit in your life, and you're like, oh, does it really matter if I do that today? I don't have to go to church on Sunday. I mean, I can just sit there and my chair and drink coffee and dog in my lap and I can just watch Carl on TV. I mean, it's the same thing, isn't it? I mean, I'm just watching it. It doesn't really matter. You remember the parable of the souls that I was telling about before? There's one that's the tares and it's on decent ground. It's, it's, it's growing and everything's happening there, but then just the things of the world get in there, the tares and the weeds, and they start to just kind of choke out what the gospel's doing. And Christian, be careful of that. As we sit there in our life and we, we, we go through the humdrums of life, I mean, there's times you're on a mountaintop and you're like, man, praise the Lord, man, everything is great. You know, there's no traffic on Fruitville on the way to church today. And man, life is just wonderful, an extra 20 bucks in my pocket. I mean, it's, it's great, praise the Lord, you know. My devotions this morning were absolutely fantastic. I mean, I felt like I was in presence with the Lord. This is great, this is good stuff. And then there's just other times you're just like, I don't even want to get out of bed this morning. And then that's real. You know, my relationships aren't right. I'm just a little tired. I'm a little bit off. I've been sick for 30 days. I'm just, I'm just, you ever been there? You're like, and, and, and I want to preach the gospel, but it's really not the focus of my life right now because there's just things in my life that have gotten in there and have gotten in the way. Maybe you're good intentioned. Maybe you're just busy. Christian, it's important to stay grounded. It's important to not sit on your chair with your dog in your lap, drinking coffee, watching it on the internet. It's important to be here at the church and be a part of the fellowship and, and showing up a little bit early so you can grab dinner or a little bit early so you can grab breakfast and, and meet somebody. It's important to be a part of the, one of the fellowships that we have here at the church and show up at somebody's house and meet some new friends. It's important to be part of inductive Bible study or one of the men's groups that's happening here or the women's studies that seem like they're always happening throughout the week here as well. I mean, it's important for you to be part of the fellowship 
and be part of the believers so that we can grow together and we can encourage each other. It's important to be here early enough to hear worship so that you can get three songs on a Wednesday and five or six on a Sunday and, and, and just be able to bow your heart before your God and say, Lord, I, I love you. I, I don't know the things that I'm going through right now, but God, I, I know that I want more of you. And I'm willing to come here and, and even though I don't feel like it today, I'm willing to do this. Why? Because there's a job to be done. You're not here, but I'm gonna be at work doing the task that you've called me to do. I'm gonna continue to persevere and I'm gonna continue to stay focused and, and regardless of whether I get five talents or two talents, it doesn't really matter because both were equally successful. Both were equally successful. They, they received the same combination from the, the, the master. It says, well done. And, and this is spoken with excitement to them. When they wouldn't have been like, oh, well done. Good job, man. Appreciate that five extra talents. It would have been, man, well done. Man, I'm so proud of you. That's, that is a great job. It's like when your kids come and they bring you a, a, a picture that they had drawn and, or they give you something and you're just like, what? This, you, gave, you drew this? That is absolutely... What is it? You know, can you tell? Like, you know, you're trying to find the right way to ask them, like, what is it? You're like, oh, that's, that is awesome. But it's that excitement. But in this case, it would have been like, wow, that's a Michelangelo. That's, that's fantastic. How did you do that? That's incredible. Spoken with enthusiasm. That's how your God looks towards you. When you use your talents and, and you get investment back from you, it's just, it's amazing that the Lord looks at it and he is just like, with enthusiasm, good and faithful servant, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Enter the joy of your Lord, the joy, the blessedness which the Lord enjoys or the cause or occasion of joy. What a reward that is. To be faithful to the Lord and be recognized by him. That is gonna be a great day. Well, we have the other servant now as well, two, verse 24. It says, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man and reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. And look, there you are, have what's yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and, and at my coming, I would have at least received back my own interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For the record, the person hadn't done, the, the master hadn't done anything wrong. This was a lie. And actually, the, the, the master then turns it around and repeats it back to him like, you're talking to me like that? You don't talk to me like that. You know that that's not true. I knew you to be a hard man. I knew he perceived it. He has, has knowledge of it and that he was hard, that he was harsh and rough and stiff. And can I just say that's completely opposite of the God that I know, of the Jesus that I know. My God and my Jesus are not that way commentator in Poole states it this way. He says, it is genius of wicked men to lay the blame of their miscarriages upon others, oftentimes upon God himself. It is genius of wicked men to lay the blame of their miscarriages upon others, oftentimes upon God himself. 
And we see this in society. If something goes bad, what do they call it? It's an act of God, right? All that earthquake happened and thousands of people died. That's an act of God. Tsunami happens, thousands of people die. It's an act of God. Is there a need in the world today? Somebody needs something? Look at the God that you serve. You can't even help these people. What kind of God do you serve that does that? If I'm honest, there are times that I've looked at God as well too and not understand what he was doing. There was a guy one time that I knew was a faithful gentleman of the Lord. I mean, he just loved the Lord, was trying to do things right, had gotten let go of his job at this one place and um, was praying, his college degree, was capable of, of whatever and um, trying to work for the county and um, different counties throughout the state of Florida to the point where he had two part-time jobs. And I'm like, Lord, what are you doing here? This, this man is, is, is genuinely just seeking you and he's, he's following you. And I mean, I was just frustrated for him. I don't even know how he felt, but I was just like, what, what are you doing here? He's a good guy. He's a good godly man and willing to take two part-time jobs that he's over, extremely overqualified for, but willing to do it because he knows that he has bills, he has responsibilities and willing to do what he needs to do for that. And you just get to this point, you're like, God, what are you doing? But he's still God. And I still trust in the Lord. And you, you sit back and you know the Lord has a plan and he has a desire for, for this man and, he's, and he was walking, he was moving. Getting back to the early illustration, he wasn't just sitting there, I'm qualified. Somebody should just give me a job. No, he, he was out there moving and he was working and he was, he was seeking the Lord. And where I was just sitting back getting frustrated, he was actually doing the works and like, Lord, okay, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And finally he moves to Orlando and, has the job that he had desired. But that's the thing, is that you don't just blame the Lord because you don't get the ways that you want or you think or you're just lazy and stuck in the position you're at. Continue to seek him. Continue to, to search after God and the things that he wants to do in your life. Verse 25, and just the callousness of this, this servant, it says, look, there you have what is yours. And you can hear the attitude as, as he speaks to his master, he's, giving back the talent as, as he was too lazy to use. And he acts like his master should be satisfied with his, just his talent back. Well, here, here it is. And some of us are afraid to use the talent that God has given us. And sometimes we just place it back to at his feet with nothing added. And we're just paralyzed paralyzed by the responsibility that's given us. You're just, you're nervous. You're like, yeah, Kevin, I would, I would witness, but man, they might ask a question that I, I just don't know the answer to. I feel you. I understand that. Can I just tell you they will? They will ask questions that you don't have the answers to. But I can also say you'll, you'll know the answer the next time somebody asks you that question. You know your scripture and you rely on the Holy Spirit. And you go out with another person and you co-labor in what you're trying to do as far as witnessing to other people. Kevin, I don't know how to do whatever ministry. I don't know how to serve in the children's ministry. Just show up. And Pastor Cameron and the team, will, they'll train you. If you can teach third grade, you can teach anybody in the world. My wife and I, when we first got married, that was our purpose is we actually went and taught third graders because it was just great to get in there. We were able to serve together, you know, kind of teach and, and just be able to, for us, we actually, we were cheating. We were looking at the parents that had good kids 
And so those good kids you were like meeting with the parents, you're like, hey, so how you doing? Like, do you guys do devotions at night? Like, what do you do with your kid, you know, that makes them so perfect? You know, for the other ones that were like off the wall, you're like, mm, I can do that on my own. I don't need your help. But it, was, but it was a wonderful ministry to be able to get in there. And even now, you can ask the teachers, you can ask the staff. The best part about being in the school really is the kids. They're kids and there's foolishness that they have and things like that, but kids are wonderful. Pastor Cameron didn't pay me to say all of this stuff for you guys, but I'm telling you, it is an amazing blessing to be able to work with children. It really is. There should just never be a problem with any help needed in the children's ministry. It is fantastic. Well, Kevin, they're just a little too young. Okay, go talk to Pastor Reggie. The youth in there, let me tell you, the youth, that's where I used to came from, is the youth, they, they, you have food and snacks. Like there's, I'm telling you, like if you're a guy in here and you're like, man, I like to eat, go to the youth. And you, have, you have game nights, you have, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. But, but again, what is the talent that you have? Again, are you gonna just lay it back at the feet of the Lord? Because you're gonna be paralyzed and just fear that I don't know if I can actually do that. Okay, well, then that's the best place to be at. You know, when I am weak, he is strong. And the Lord then comes along and as he's guided you in there, then he, he builds you up and he gives you the ability and then you begin to start having a heart for something and you, you have a heart and a desire that, man, I, I can't wait to get back in there and serve them. Oh man, and you start thinking and I, man, we're gonna do this. This will be great. I could use this as an illustration. It's fantastic. Don't be paralyzed. Don't be stuck where you're at because the Lord has given you a talent. Going back, verse 26 again. <clears throat> but his Lord answered and said, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and, and gather where I have not scattered seeds. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would, not, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. Again, he's not, he's not agreeing with anything that the servant has said about him. He's actually repeating it back and condemning the servant on his own words. And the third servant, he missed it. Warren Wearsby puts it this way. It says, we're not in for the one, if were it not for the one talent people in our world, very little would get accomplished. His one talent could have increased to and brought the glory to the Lord. Were it not for the one talent people in our world, very little would get accomplished. And maybe that's you. You're like, Kevin, I'm not, I'm not bringing a whole lot to the table. But you are. You have a talent. And it's a value. It's a value to the Lord. Why? Because he gave it to you. He looked at you and chose, I'm gonna give this person this talent right here. You see, we've got a job to get to. There's, there's work to be done. Matthew 28, 9, 19 and 20, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, how do we do this? How do we go out and make disciples? And how do we go and disciple the nations? Well, God has given us each talents. You've got abilities, you've got resources, you've got time. 
you got something that nobody else, you know, Pastor Carl, again, I use this illustration all the time that he talks about, is like we're a big puzzle. And each of us is a little puzzle piece on that puzzle. And the first thing that you look at when there's a puzzle that's almost complete is you notice the piece that's missing. Well, maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're the puzzle piece that's missing and that we're looking and we're like, man, we could do this, but we need that last puzzle piece. What is it, the talent that you have that you're going to bring to be able to fulfill that? What are you doing with your talents? See, it doesn't matter with the talent scale. It doesn't matter, again, whether you've got five or you've got two or you've got one. You have nothing to do with that. That is not your responsibility. It's not something that you have to grow into, like, oh, I got two, but man, I'm gonna go work out. I'm gonna move that up to three and I'm gonna get a little bulk or I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat a little more protein or pasta or something like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move it up to three. You have no control over the talents that you've been given. The Lord is the one who's placed that upon you. On the abilities that you have and the responsibilities that you're willing to be able to receive and to do and act upon them, the only thing that we have responsibility in is using them and using them for the Lord. David Guzik put it this way, he says, in the larger context of Matthew 25, he says, the main point of this parable is clear. Our readiness for Jesus's return is determined by our stewardship of the resources that he has given us. That's convicting. Just the fact of our readiness for Jesus's return is determined by our stewardship of the resources that he has given us. Again, I go back to, when do you think that the Lord is coming back? See, if you're one of these that says, I got 100 years, it doesn't really matter what I do with my resources, it still does. But are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready like the, the, the parable before? Go home and read the parable before this. And are you ready with the oil in your lamps in case the Lord were to come now? Are you on the edge of your seat to be able to be ready to do something for the Lord tonight, tomorrow? Are you going to invest the resources? Are you gonna hold on to you? Uh, well, I've gotta have this amount of money in this account. I've gotta have this amount of money. And then I'm ready to invest in something else. Christian, get in the game. There, there are people who need to hear about Jesus. See, a lot of times as Christians, we like to sit there and, and complain about the world and look at the world and the terrible thing. What do you expect them to do? That, that they're the world. That, that's all that they know how to do. That, that was us before the Lord. But then somebody came along and, and told us about Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit continued to woo us and kind of bring us to us. And, and then the gospel became light to us and we understood it. And then we walked in the victory of what he has done for us. Christian, where are you at? Where am I at? Too many times we get stuck in the, just the position that we're at and we, we like to just look at everybody else that they should be doing it. But we have talents to be able to use for him. Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. For he, we are his workmanship, we are his poem. And the only reason he created is he created, to, to, for, in, and created in Christ Jesus for good works. Not works that we're gonna weld up and do. He prepared them before time. For us to walk in those and to do it and then he rewards us for doing that. Isn't that crazy? Like the Lord prepares works for us to do. We just do what he's asked us to do. And then 
we get blessed by it. It's kind of like your child. You're like, I don't want you to do these chores, and then I'm going to do this later for you. You're like, all right. And then you're like, cool, we get to go eat ice cream. You're like, you just wanted ice cream in any ways. But it's the point of you, the, you just bless your child for doing what you've asked him to do anyways. The Lord has prepared works for each of us to do. It's a point where we need to get in the game, get our talents out of the ground, and invest them for him. You've heard me say many times, if you've heard me teach at all, probably half the times at least I've said, Christianity is an action word. It's an action word. You've got to do something with it. I mean, if you're truly a believer of Christ, if you truly understand that those who don't know him are going to go to hell, if you truly understand that Jesus Christ is gonna, there's an urgency within your walk, you know that there's an action that has to happen here. I've got to get in the game and I've got to invest what I have back for the Lord. We all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, don't we? Don't you want to hear that when you get to heaven? We wanna make sure that we do it and it's for his glory as well, amen? Father God, thank you so much for this evening. I thank you for just, again, the amazing privilege of just being able to present your word. God, I pray I did it well. I pray I did it with your words, Lord, coming out of me, your desire. I pray for the sheep of this church, God, that we would be servants of you, Lord. That we would understand and that if we don't know the talents that we have, Lord, even tonight that you would make it clear to us the abilities and the gifts that you have given us. And that then you would inspire us, Lord, to invest those into you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the blood that he shed for us, the forgiveness of sins that we have. And then the awesome privilege that we have to get to serve you, Lord. And we ask this in your name, amen.